Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18 of chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. We'll read the verses responsibly. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found and help me for him. And the Lord God caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We're glad to have you today. We're starting in September, talking a little bit and preaching about the family and parenting. Family and children. Whenever you talk about the family, as a pastor, I've only been a pastor for 20 years, but you do have some folks that say it's about time. I'm glad. I want you to do a whole series, a whole year on the family. And then you have others that say, not again. I'm single. We don't have children. We're done with that. We've been married for 50 years. Heard about the guy who's been married for 50 years, and someone said, well, what's it like to be married for 50 years? He said, son, it's like five minutes underwater. <laughs> One fellow, he was doing some handyman work in an elderly couple's home, and and uh, he was there, and they said, well, come on in, eat lunch with us. And they had a little cake there, and they were celebrating their 50th year anniversary. And they had the cake there, so would join us, sit here and join us, it's our 50th year anniversary today, and we've got a little cake, and you're here working on our property, come celebrate with us. And he says, man, he sat down, he said, 50 years is a long time. And the man said, oh, it would have been a lot longer without her. Isn't that sweet thing to respond there, 50 years? He said, oh, these 50 years have been a lot longer if God had not given me her as my wife. Well, marriage is a wonderful thing. A broken home is the world's greatest wreck. They don't, you, you have a wreck on the 8094 or on the Dan Ryan or the Bishop Ford or the Kennedy. You have a wreck today and maybe it happens at 11 o'clock today. Oh, for a few hours it can get a little challenging and the traffic will back up. It will inconvenience a lot of people. But in a few hours, traffic gets back to normal. Well, they've just not built a tow truck big enough to haul a broken home off the freeway of life without long-standing challenges and difficulties. And God made marriage, and he originated the very first marriage. And, 
And uh, sometimes it's hard to talk about marriage because of the guilt and the, the failures of our past, the things that have complicated our life. And dear friend, wherever you are right now, you can't make a new beginning, but you can make a new ending. Wherever you are, you can't go back and roll back time. But you can say, by the grace of God, today is the first day of the rest of my life, and I'm going to try to honor the Lord today. I want to be a good son today. I want to be a good daughter today. I want to be a good husband today, a good father today, a good wife, a good mother, a good grandma, a good grandpa. Today is my day to be a good sibling. I may not have done a great job last week or last year or the last decade, but today I can do what I'm supposed to do. God made the home. And everybody needs three homes. Everybody, first of all, you need a heavenly home. Don't leave this life and go to hell. God doesn't want that. He's not willing that any should perish. Everybody who goes into eternity without God has to climb over many things. They have to climb over the preaching of the gospel, gospel tracts, exposure to the word of God. But don't two things keep people from getting saved and accepting Jesus. Number one, pride. Too many people are just too proud to admit God's way is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Dear friend, the only way we can have eternal life is if God gives it to us. It's not a reward to earn. It's not a, it is a gift for the guilty. I can't earn it. I can't earn eternal life. This church cannot give you eternal life. Baptism, we're going to have people baptized in a few moments, but that water does not wash away anyone's sin. Being a good person you're trying to be and stop doing bad things that you don't want to do and you know that complicate your life, that will not give you eternal life. Only Jesus. Faith in the person of Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing, gives us eternal life. The Bible says, for by grace, that's God doing the work, that we're saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. No one's going to go to heaven and brag about why they got there. Everyone goes to heaven, goes to heaven because they have accepted the gift of eternal life. Not with their hands, but with their heart. And don't let pride or procrastination keep you from accepting the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Don't say, you know, I'll do another Sunday. I'll do it another time. No. If you want to ask God when you get saved, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Everybody needs three homes. You need a heavenly home. If you're not sure about that, if you were not sure if you would have died today, you're in the balcony, you're in the main floor, you're on the west side or the east side, you're right here in front of me, and maybe you're listening by way of the internet today on the live stream, or you're listening by way of 90.5, the radio station, the key FM, wherever you are, if you're not sure you're saved, get saved today. Come to God in humility and, and accept his gift of eternal life. Everybody needs a heavenly home. Everybody needs a church home. I do believe with all of my heart, the church cannot get anyone to heaven, but the church is in God's plan for every Christian. Everybody who gets saved, gets saved indirectly or directly because of a local church somewhere that did its job. The Bible tells us the local church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. Not everyone that has his church name out on their sign is actually a true church. 
Now, there's not everybody that has a Baptist sign in the front yard. It's really a true church. Some of the churches in our nation and our world have fallen asleep at the will. You couldn't get saved there if you wanted to. Because they have lost the propagation, the protection of the truth. God wants us to have a church home. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You don't have to go home to be married. <laughs> but it makes for a better relationship with your spouse. You want the right kind of relationship with Jesus? You'll be faithful to his house. You'll be faithful together. God didn't make us lions, tigers, and bears. He made us sheep. Sheep, you'll never see a healthy sheep one-on-one -on -one in the wilderness, in the woods, running around. They, in just a short time, they'll become uh, lunch. God made us sheep. They need to be together. They need to assemble together. They need a shepherd. That's God's plan. That's not my plan. That's God's plan. But everybody needs a heavenly home. Everybody needs a church home. And everybody needs a Christian home. We need a home where Christ is paramount, where Christ is center, where he matters most. You ought to be able to look, walk into a Christian's home and tell within a few moments you're in a Christian's home. It ought to be obvious by the things on the wall. It ought to be obvious on the cleanliness inside that house. Because Jesus said, he tells us in 1 Corinthians, all things should be decently and in order. You ought to be tell that this home reflects Jesus in its cleanliness, in its, in its decor, in its spirit. It doesn't have to be wealthy, but it ought to be obvious, this is a Christian person's home. There ought to be Bibles available. There ought to be, there ought to be music playing. There ought to be something that would say to you, a Christian lives here. Christ is preeminent here. This is a place where Christ is comfortable. And the home started in the first pages of our Bible. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created it, but when he created its original form, it was without shape, it was out without form, and it was void, it was empty, and it was dark. Darkness covered the face of the deep. When God created the heavens and the earth, it was not the way you and I see it now. It seemed to be a large blob of water initially, but without a round shape, without content, and in darkness. And then two things happened. The Bible says that God's Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. God's Spirit began to work. Number two, God's Word was spoken. And the Lord God said, let there be light. And there was light. God began to speak, and, and he turned light onto that dark planet that he had made, the heavens and the earth that he had made. The second thing he did, he took some water and he put it in the heavens and he took some water and he left it on the earth and he created distance between his world where he lives in the heavens and where we live here. And I think that's a type of, of separation. The third day, he, may, he put some water, he put the ground together, he put vegetation there. You can read all of this in Genesis chapter 1. I like God doesn't have to prove anything. He says, in the beginning, I was there. God, and I created this. He made the plant life, and he put a seed inside of each of the, 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 the plants so it could reproduce itself. And I think it's a type of spiritual growth and soul winning that Christians ought to be in. And then he made the galaxies, the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night. He made the stars also, day number four. Day number five, he made... Birds that fly and fish that swim, the two things that human beings can't do. No matter how talented you are, 
You can't fly on your own. You, with help, you can, but not on your own. You cannot uh, live underwater unless you have a submarine or a scuba gear. You got to have help. And God teaches us as we grow in a Christian life, we're saved. The light comes on. We're separated. We're spiritually growing. We're so conscious. We serve the Lord like the sun, moon, and stars serve the planet. Then we begin to have special grace to endure some deep waters and to fly and soar over the difficulties of life that come to us. Then he said, I'll make man in my image. He made the animal kingdom, and then he made man in his image. And man is not an animal. I don't care who told you vice, uh, different than that. Man is not an animal. Animals are a dichotomy. They have a body and they have a soul. They have a personality. But there are no dog churches. There are no monkey pastors. There are no cat prayer meetings. There are no chicken, chicken mission supporting WMS that's going on. They don't care about that. They don't have that aptitude. But you and I were made in the image of God, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, a body, soul, and a spirit. We're made to worship God. Even if you say, I'm an atheist, or I don't believe in God, you believe in God. God doesn't believe in atheist. Everybody knows there's a God because you are a human being. You're made in God. You're made with a spirit an aptitude to know the God of the Bible. I'm always amazed. I never heard anybody get mad and curse the name of Buddha. Never heard anybody get mad and say, oh, ah, Mohammed, and damn his name. You don't have any problems walking on campuses with the writings of Confucius or writings of, uh, of even uh, a Quran doesn't even make anyone bat their eye. You walk on a campus in our country, places carrying a Bible that represents the God of the Bible, or his son, and all of a sudden you got, a, you got some contention going on. Why? Because he's the real God. He is the real God. This is a live book. Well, God made man, and then he said... Uh, he made man, he gave Adam very quickly three things. He gave him responsibility to dress and keep a garden. He gave him a rule, don't eat of that tree. You can eat any tree in the Garden of Eden, but there's one tree, that one you don't eat of that one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then he said number three, I'm going to give you a relationship first with God, and secondly, with a bride that he would bring to him, Eve. And... With that information, the Bible tells us, and after every day of creation, God said it was good, it was good, it was very good. But look at chapter 2, verse 18, Brother Colson read it with us already, but let's look at it and see what the Bible says. Let's read it together, can we please? And the Lord God said, it is that a man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. So God looked at all his creation on day number six, and chapter two is a little bit of a, uh, just gives you a little snapshot or parentheses of what God did on day number six, or day number six, he says, it's not good that man, Adam, be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. I think we see the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage, I think, can be found in four thoughts, and you might think of more, and I'm sure you can. But I think, number one, a good home. And we're talking about today the structure of a righteous home, the structure of a Christian home. 
Number one, a good Christian home brings glory to God. It gives others a good opinion of the God who thought of it. Now we live in a day and time where people accept multiple partners, where easy divorce can be given very easily, no fault states. We live in a society where there are many other challenges and obstacles against, and now many people are just glad to cohabit. Let's not get married. Let's just live together and try it out. Then there's no commitment, just all the privileges without any of the responsibilities and the rights. But God in his wisdom put together a man and a wife to live in such a way as a husband and wife under a covenant and under a promise that at the end, their lives, the byproduct of their life is to bring others a good opinion of God, to bring glory to God. Number two, the second purpose for marriage is to provide companionship for each other. One of the number one reasons God allows marriage and made marriage and created it is so that you and I would have a companion. One of the challenges of being a single adult is that it's difficult going back to the apartment at night. I don't think anyone deserves more honor than men and women who walk alone with the Lord, but you know personally how difficult and how lonely it can be not to have someone to share your day with, not have somebody to come back in and visit. And some of you have been married and are now single because of, of, of death or because of a, as a widow or a widower, or some of you have gone through a divorce, or some of you have never been married for whatever reason. And one thing is very common. God said, it's not good that a man be by himself. He needs a companion. He needs somebody to be with him. It's the second purpose for marriage. Number one, to bring glory to God, to bring companionship to each other. Number three, it's the arena in which we can enjoy physical pleasure. God put it in all of us. We like to be touched, and we like to touch. I always get a kick out of people who just got married a few weeks ago. They can't even sit close enough to each other in church. They're sitting in each other's laps almost. And we remember doing that. We remember being excited now. that After you're married 20 years, you, you let the kids sit between you. You wave at each other on the other side, from the west side to the east side. Aren't you proud of me? I know my directions. <laughs> oh, after a while, it's a struggle. But you know, uh, God made us. You, you, uh, probably our second strongest impulse in our life is to touch. To touch. Some of the things that have been challenged about the COVID, we're not, like, you shake hands or you don't shake hands? Do you hand bond or do you do the chicken wing? You know, what are we doing here? I don't know what to do with you, Pastor. I said, just don't kiss me. <laughs> if you want to shake hand, I'll shake hand. Some folks, why well, just miss? Are you a hugger? That was a question I heard a couple times in recent days. Are you a hugger? And it's a challenge because we, we enjoy the embrace. We enjoy the physical touch. Probably the number one urge you have is to stay alive. That's self-preservation. You get a guy who says, I hate myself. I want to die right now. Well, throw a brick at him and he'll duck because he doesn't want to die right now. That's a lie. He's just saying that to get your sympathy. But a second to staying alive is to, we just like to, like to have a companion, someone to touch. And the Bible says that marriage is honorable. It's an honorable thing to be married. 
And the bed, the physical relation between a man and his wife, is undefiled. That means no one else is involved. It's two. No one else sticks their finger in your banana pudding. Nobody else defiles that. There's no one else welcome in that. That's made for two. It's undefiled. It's pure. It's right. It's holy. But whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let me just tell you something, Spanky. It's difficult enough. Somebody wrote me the other day. I hope Spanky sometimes gets it. <laughs> Let me tell you something, friend. Uh, life is hard enough without being a pervert, without being a whoremonger, without being an adulterer. You want to complicate your life? Keep your head in the smut. Keep looking at the pornography. It doesn't stop with that. The devil's little secret is that you can handle a little sin. Little sins grow. And they get more complicated. And the Bible says you think you can handle sin, then sin starts handling you. And you're going to be wrapped up with the cords of your sin. It's just the truth of God's word. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, now concerning the things that you wrote unto me, he goes, I write back to you. He, said, he says this, he says, listen, um, I don't, I don't, don't, don't touch a woman. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. That means to ignite fire, ignite passion. Doesn't mean if a lady falls down, you can't help her up. It means do not touch somebody. Don't get involved in, a, in an emotional affair. Well, you got somewhere, we got to ring our bells and say, hang on a second, what am I giving up? I sat with someone recently and they told me, well, I've calculated my consequences. Let me tell you something, friends. You cannot possibly calculate what happens when you disobey God. When you fall under the judgment of God, you can always expect more than you can expect. You can't calculate your, your, your sinful decisions. You have no idea what's going to happen. But he said, listen, so a man's not a fornicator, so a woman's not a fornicator, let every man have his own wife, and every wife have her own husband. And God gave us marriage, number one, to glorify him. He gave us marriage so that we can have a companion. He gave us the Christian home so that we can enjoy physical pleasure. It's the only arena in which it can be enjoyed rightfully, and it's okay as when you're married. And then the Bible tells us, I think, that marriage is good because it's the optimal environment in which to raise secure children. You want to be a blessing to your kids? Stay in love with God and their daddy. Stay in love with God and their mother. Stay crazy about God and stay crazy about their mother. That's one of the best things you can do. There's nothing that brings more stability and security to a child than to know that mom and dad are okay. They're on the same page. My daddy loves my mama, and my mama loves my dad. Now, I know I'm looking to people and talking to people, both in this room and around the world, possibly through the, uh, the media, that that's not what happened to you. The devil works really hard to get men angry, abusive, addicted, absent, aloof, just out of the picture altogether in the lives of their children. But every child... A Christian home should be made up of a man and woman who love God and love each other. 
And then they direct their attention from the love of God to the love of their children. Every child needs three things. Every child needs affection, a lot of love. Well, I love my kids. Well, love them enough to stay with their mother. Love them enough to work through the marriage problems. Love them enough to stay with their dad. Work through that. Get counsel if you have to. Fast, pray, ask God to change you. Well, I love them. Well, love them enough not to be selfish. Selfishness is a sin against every home from within. Oftentimes people say, well, I just deserve to be happy. Find that Bible verse for me, would you please? That's not a Bible verse. I just can't live the rest of my life. You can do anything God wants you to do. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You make it about you and I make it about me, we're going we're gonna to create complications we will not be able to control. You learn to obey God and say, Lord, anything I'm supposed to do, you can help me. I'll learn to be content. That's a very important thing. Because a marriage, a Christian home, number one, it glorifies God. It gives others a good opinion. When people see a godly marriage in the world, they say, wow. Then they say, how? And you can help them come to know the God of the Bible through a godly marriage. I'm not so sure there's a greater billboard in Christianity than a man and a wife and children man who loves his wife, a wife who reverence her husband, kids that submit to their dad and mom, siblings that love each other than a Christian home. It brings glory to God. It brings companionship to us. It gives us the arena in which we can enjoy the physical pleasure that God says is undefiled. It also is the way in which we can raise optimal environment to raise secure children. And by the way, all of us, if you can't find a reason to stay with your spouse, let that reason be those kids. Love them and work through it. You know, every marriage has barriers and problems. No, you know, the Bible tells us that, that there's no trial or temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, wives, trust your husbands. Husbands, trust your wife. Kids, trust your parents. Parents, trust your children. It tells us all over the Bible to trust the Lord. Pastor, what do I need in my marriage? You need faith in God and determination to continue. Now, there are some situations that I do believe that every divorce is, is caused by sin. I'm not sure that every divorce is sinful. Sometimes because of immorality, and hardness of heart, because of abandonment, there may be some reasons why God allows that, and certainly to someone may be a sinless party in that, in that party. But oh, I believe that God wants us to be married. Amen. He wants marriages that are married to stay together. He said in Matthew chapter 19, he says marriages were planned, husband and wife, man and woman. He's from the beginning, he made them male and Female, that, that takes care of the male on male and the female on female. God very clearly puts it out there so everybody can read, can see it. It was planned between a man and a woman. Any other way is not, not biblical. It was planned to be permanent. What God put together, let not man 
pull asunder. And it has, it has uh, principles. Every Christian home ought to have the principles down in our hearts of authority, of submission, and of unity. Can you say it with me? Authority. Every good home you ever see, every good institution you ever find, you'll find there'll be an understanding of authority. There'll be understanding of submission. Well, pastor, you're in charge of this church, and I'm really, I don't want to be. I want Christ to be in charge of the church. I want to be a good extension of him. I got issues in that area. I'm working on it. You pray for me. But I have a lot of decisions in this church, and honest to goodness, I, I, uh, I could do, I can make a lot of decisions. And when I'm on this campus and I'm in this ministry, I have opportunities to make decisions. But when I get in my car, I must be submissive. It doesn't matter if I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church. If I'm going 55 miles an hour down Holman Avenue, I got issues. And I'm going to have some problems because I have to submit. If you're making a meal at my house, you would not want me to be in authority. I would burn water. I am the servant and I am the subordinate when a meal is served at our house because I don't know how to cook. But Linda, I said, Linda, what do you want me to do? And she tells me and I do it. I want to fix things good for everybody. I'll, I'll, do the, I'll do the subordinate thing. But then we have to work for unity. There are certain places and certain situations and you're continually changing that hat between authority and submission. And you've got to learn how to do that and then... You work for unity. That's where you need meekness and endeavoring to keep unity in the bond of peace. But a Christian home is a place where there's a purpose. We see also that the Lord saw that it wasn't good that Adam be alone. He said, I'm going to make a help. He provided a helpmeet for Adam. And he provided Eve. He did the first anesthesiologist. That was God. He caused a deep sleep to fall upon him. Then he did the first surgery. He didn't cut him in the head and take a part of his cranium out, didn't take him down to the ankle bone and take an ankle bone out. No, he, he wounded his side. The first surgical procedure was done on the side, and he took a rib that would go from the sternum to the backbone on the side of your body. It would be very unusual for a man to have a rib that would go like this. It goes on the side. And he created a partnership. It's kind of interesting is that the first man, Adam, was wounded for his bride. And Jesus was pierced for you, for me, to become his bride. And they made a partnership together. And they were told to be a priority. He said, for the cause of marriage, let a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his new family, and they become one flesh. God wants every family to be a priority. He wants God to be number one, whether you're single or you're married, whether you're a teen or you're a senior adult. God is number one. But if you're married, your spouse is number two. And everybody else is a distant third. And we need to figure that out. And he said, for the cause of marriage. If you didn't want it that way, you should never got married. But if you're married, figure it out. Mamas and fathers-in-laws and things of that nature, let me just encourage you. Uh, be careful. Your hands are off. Your mouths are shut. Your prayers are on. And your heart is open. Stay out of your kid's business. 
Let them learn some things. Let them work together. Be careful with your opinions. Because for the cause of marriage, they leave and cleave our mom and dad, and they, they join to their spouse and their one flesh. And the Bible says they were naked and open, and, and they were not ashamed. That means in a Christian home, there needs to be an openness between a man and his wife. The devil's a master mason. He's always building walls in important relationships. There's no more important relationship than you and God, and he's constantly building walls. And, and from the very first time he opened his mouth in the Bible, he said, Yea, hath God said? What is he doing with Eve? He's building a wall between God and her. You're not going to die another brick on the wall. He does the same thing in homes. He puts a brick between you. Sometimes it's finances. Sometimes it's a foreigner at work. Sometimes it's family intervention. Sometimes it's physical issues. Sometimes it's the kids struggling, the parental authority and who's doing what and how that's taken care of. Sometimes it's promiscuousness. There's, there's, there's fornication, infidelity involved, and it brings a real breach there. God says, I want there to be an openness between a man and his wife. We'll see in chapter 3 that that's a challenge. Satan, when he came to Eve, he came at a time where she wasn't content with all the other things in the garden. She wasn't connected to her husband. He was somewhere else, and she was somewhere else, and the devil loves that. When there's a break in the connection emotionally, physically, spiritually, that's why you come to church together. That's why you read the Bible. That's why you pray together. That's why you spend time talking together. Why? There's an emotional connection that must stay stay the same. That's why you're, you're, you're a man has got a, a, a job to do, and it's the emotional care of his wife. A wife is giving the physical attention and reverence to her husband. Those things help connect us, and they, they help us together. Satan knows if they're together, he had no chance. Then he began to talk to her, and it touches on the fact that we need communication in the Christian home. Got to keep talking. You know why I married Linda? She married me. I talked her into it. <laughs> I just kept talking. Sometimes after we get married, we stop talking. We would describe our days very simply and very shortly, and we get harsh where we used to be so lovey-dovey. We get difficult where we used to be so tender. And there's a breakdown, and Satan smiles all the way to hell's bank to destroy the home. We need some help. Let's ask God in the month of September to help us as we think about the family and the children.